Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. And first of all, I want to give you and your family a mazel tov on Benjamin's forthcoming nuptials. (laughs) (laughs) You're so formal. And And to Mayor Stein, my grandson, who will be marrying Sima Khan also, and whose offer is this Shabbos as well. That's correct. And a little bit of a tribute to you and your wife, even with all this familial activity that you're involved with this week, thank God, and how wonderful it is, you're still committed to be there to celebrate with us on Wednesday, and I, I commend you for that. Uh, and thank you. I didn't know I had a choice. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I, I got a summons, and it said show up here and there. And believe me, to be part of that is, is really wonderful. And uh, we will give full attention to Mayor and to his chasna and to Shavar Brachas. But we will feel, we also want to be at the, the Simcha of the Siegel family. After all, we've been watching it for more than two decades Unbelievable. I'll tell you, when you think about it, the time just flies by. And, I, and I'm sure you think of this every time you make a simcha, the place um, or the role that every one of these smachot has in Jewish history, building Jewish families, um, You know, thinking about how, I mean, I say this to you all the time, thinking about how there, there was no such thing ever, ever before this generation, you could argue with me if you think I'm wrong, of four generations being together at a wedding celebration, and today, thank God, it's practically commonplace. And especially for those of us who didn't have grandparents, didn't have the schus of having grandparents because of the Shoah particularly, that the the idea that you would be a grandparent, let alone great-grandparent, and as you said, that multiple generations coming together to celebrate, this is the ultimate nakama and the ultimate assertion of v'chart v'chaim. And uh, we shouldn't take it for granted. 100%. All right. Um, unfortunately, our headline right now for the weekly update is uh, what happened in Israel today. Uh, sometimes I think it's unfair because, uh, you know, limited information has come out till this point. But what can you tell us about today's terror attack in Israel? That there was a family, a uh, father and two of his children, and a, uh, and one 17, they were all wounded, and a 17-year-old uh, was killed. The other two were taken to hospitals. They, they, um, uh, the oldest was uh, the uh, older person who was in his mid-40s and the younger boy. Um, and it was, um, they were visiting the Lev Springs, and, which actually has been called the, the Dani Spring because of uh, Dani Gunen, who was killed there I think two years ago, four years ago, four years ago, and the, um, I mean, the tragedy of this is is uh, terrible. Obviously, that the um, and and we're waiting to hear the condemnation of the world that quickly rose up in you know in such condemnation of Israel and rallying behind the anti-Semites that wanted to visit Israel, and now we'll see where where they are, but. We have seen this escalation going on. You know that there were, and we've talked about some of the attacks. They hardly get any news coverage or any attention um, in in the um, in the media and across the board. But the the reports about how Hamas has been organizing in in um, the West Bank, not just in Gaza, and even analyses about. How they how they have divided up and how they have moved the leadership 
for the current violence and up to to uh, from it wasn't Qatar and Turkey. Now it's in Beirut and in in Doha and Istanbul and in Gaza. And they've divided the West Bank into three parts, headed by terrorists, all of whom were deported to Gaza in the deal to free uh, Gilad Shalit. And this is uh, information from the ISA, Israel Security Agency, that the uh, uh, detailing the move from Turkey and Qatar, which is is, uh, used to be headed by Salah al-Ruri, who's now the deputy head of the Hamas Politburo, and and he was succeeded by Mayor Obaid, who lives in, in Beirut. In any event, they are trying to, to move both to challenge the PA, uh, but to establish themselves and to escalate the the violence. And the we have I can go through the names of the ones who are in charge of each of the three regions, but they're all terrorists. Each of them accused of of some uh, terrible acts or act of um, uh, terrorism. Um, one was the guy who, who was head of the group that kidnapped and killed um, Sharon Edry. Uh, another one was um, suspected in the murder of, of Rabbi Raziel Shavach. Anyway, so Israel has uncovered at least two plots before this by Hamas in the West Bank, both to topple the, the government. But they also were involved in the riots in the, on the Harabayat in Temple Mount. So... They have been boasting of both their prowess in Gaza with 20,000 rockets, but also to to um, the attempts that they try to strangle a worker at the border with Jordan. There just were many um, aspects of this uh, that um, demonstrate the escalation, uh, for both from Gaza, where two more rockets were fired, the attempts to cross the border, the cross-border shooting, the clear attempt with uh, guys dressed with Israeli military uniforms um, to cross the border to, to engage in a kidnapping again. This is um, the escalation all along the Lebanon and, and uh, northern border uh, as well. So these are, you know, you have to take this in a cumulative uh, way to see the entire picture and the the escalation of the rhetoric Abbas saying we will enter Jerusalem with millions of, of fighters the um, uh, other threats that that he, he expressed in in the remarks to to troops and to uh, others that uh, and then then it completely rejecting any uh, compromise on the um, on the Taylor Force issue, on the issue of pay to slay, um, that he said the martyrs are our most sacred things, the most sacred things we have, and the martyrs obviously being the murderers and the terrorists. Right. So you create a, a, a climate in which these actions are honored and and um, escal- and, and uh, um, valued. You make you, by naming things to them, by um, providing the funding and the money. And his latest, by the way, was that they that the Palestinians are the Canaanites of that uh, lived in Israel. They said five years, thousand years ago. That's his latest uh, claim um, to to uh, ancestry and and therefore to to rights in the in the uh, area. So we see it escalating on so many different fronts that 
you have to see the total picture to to understand why events like this should not be surprising. Um, on the going back for a second on the attempted, I don't know what do we call it, attempted coup or or desire of of this of this group of Hamas to take over the what would we say take over the political wing of the PA? Would that be the the right way? No, of they, they want to take over. They 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 have long threatened the PA and and. Uh, um, you know, and been engaged in efforts, and they were backed by Turkey. They were backed by others in, in this. Uh, obviously, Iran has a has a big interest in it, and had promised to, to give more money to to Hamas if they for intelligence on Israel and for escalating the violence from the south, and also assurances that if something happens in the north, where we seeing the, the build up, we see uh, more investment in the areas near the Golan, where we see the both along the Lebanese border, the reinforcing and fortress-like facilities, but also the missiles, even though Hezbollah does not want a war, and I think is is very much afraid they, they don't have the financial resources. Iran they, is also stretched, but uh, and, but they want to, to, and they boast the fact that they can threaten Israel from three sides now. Plus that they is, would have Syrian cooperation. On the Golan border, where you have the militias and where you have the the Syrians don't want it either because they know that the retribution will be on them, as many Lebanese, but they also let them put missiles in their homes uh, along the Lebanese border in the villages in, in um, the north, uh, along Israel's northern border. Um, so, you know, they, everybody wants to play it both ways. But it, it is funny that Hezbollah keeps threatening that they'll team up with Syria against Israel and the Galil, the Golan. Uh, but at the same time, as you just said, Syria wants nothing of it. So it's like, <laughs> and they're pulling out. They, they, Hezbollah has pulled out, but they're putting more of their troops then along the Golan area and uh, along the Lebanese border. But Hezbollah is worried. That all the signs are that they, you know, they want to escalate by, uh, the tensions. You know, they started picking up tactics from Hamas by starting fires along the border, and Israel can't and then the um, planes and stuff because it's a hostile border or, or using the equipment that they might use to fight a normal fire. Um, but uh, they start the fires on the other side, and it spreads quickly, uh, threatening both villages and, and fields and, um, and even a military base in the Golan during the last couple of days. So, all, so, so all, you see the tunnels and then the fires, so all the tactics... Exchanged. So all this has to be viewed and analyzed as one big coordinated effort. Whether it's really truly coordinated or not is irrelevant. The fact is that uh, as Hamas continues its attitude down there and Hezbollah continues its attitude up there, um, it, it, it's, it's essentially, it behaves like a coordinated effort, um, even if they're not 100% cooperating with each other, right? Well, they are cooperating, and there are visits taking place. We know that there's uh, more interaction between them but um, but terror groups seem but, to break up at some point you know what i mean like, yeah they 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 pursue their own interests right and uh, you know nasrallah never cared about what the people in gaza did and you saw that when there was escalations they didn't necessarily uh, intervene um, but we know that leaders hamas ordered their security forces to hold palestinian activists for planning another wave of uh, protests uh, like those that swept Gaza in March because of the frustration of the people, the economic conditions, the other conditions, you know, people want to leave, that the um, now that it's the situation in Gaza is considered very explosive. Hamas, uh, sorry, Qatar is sending him money to, that Hamas will 
use um, a considerable amount of money. The ambassador of Qatar is the representative who's in charge of this is in Gaza. Um, and, you know, when Hamas has raised the flag of Islam as the solution many years ago, and to get all, liberate all of Palestine and not to give up. But now the people see how corrupt the system is. Every institution, the judiciary, the police, everything, and that it's organized and managed by Hamas and that their leadership live high on the hog. Um, and the, the, the businessmen have not, uh, are not there. Many of them have left. 30,000 people left Gaza this year. And it's many of the doctors and lawyers and others because life is intolerable, not because of Israel, but because of the conditions set by Hamas. So and they have can, internal frustration building as well. And they can legally make arrangements to leave? Like that's not an issue for them? Well, you have, they go through Egypt, which uh, does have a quota, a monthly quota of about, uh, a weekly quota, I think is 300. Um, and, but the bigger, you know, people leave in some under the guise of traveling and then don't come back. And the funeral of this uh, young uh, young girl, Rena, is taking place in Lud at 3.30 this afternoon. Unbelievable, I'll tell you. Um, and, and, the, and the father, both of them were wounded right. pretty seriously. The 19-year-old uh, is being operated on as we speak. Right now, the little boy. Unbelievable. Um, all right. Um, now, <laughs> what, what I surmise uh, from the situation with Iranians in Iraq and Israel's, I mean, now, now it seems like it's public information already that Israel's ready to admit or Netanyahu, you know, seriously hinted that it was the Israelis who took out those installations, right, at this point? He certainly right. Do you, gave well, some indications to that effect <laughs> without saying it. I like how you put that. So here's what I get from this. Tell me if I'm crazy, but here's what I get from this. I get that Israel is ready to play the game with Iran, with the United States, to continue with sanctions, to you know, to do what's necessary to keep them in check. But the moment they feel that they're overstepping their boundary, literally – by you know, by increasing their activities in other countries, there'll be no tolerance. Is that essentially what's going on here? You mean no tolerance by Israel? Correct. So I, I do think that that's at the core of it. Israel has made clear that it will not allow a buildup of threats against its security, which means that the transfer of weapons, the you know the the Iranians moved a lot of their manufacturing and other facilities or storages, storage house for munitions for rockets. Um, it's from Syria because they were um, uh, targeted there in the T-4 Air Force Base, the Russian base, uh, where Israel hit several times. Uh, so they moved it uh, closer to the Iraqi border and then across into the into Iraq, thinking that they would be immune uh, from being hit. And according to the Iraqi Hezbollah militia, um, there were their members were killed and wounded, and they said it was an aerial bombardment, but an unidentified aircraft uh, in the Saladin um, province, which is north of uh, of Baghdad. And the they said that there were numerous explosions. This is not the first time. I think this is the second or third time in the last few weeks, uh, because we've we've seen the. Um, uh, escalation of Iraq, Iran's activities, and Iran has the militias there. The IRGC is very active in Iraq. By the way, so is ISIS in Iraq and in Syria, and we have some time to talk about the, the resurgence and the fact that they have an estimated 18,000 fighters still there. And Netanyahu essentially said that Iran has no immunity and that they 
could strike and we're going to uh, we, that they're going to act against them um that this is a matter of, of self defense it's not um israel desire to to hit in iraq but a reality that they can't allow this these forward bases of Iranian equipment that could then be used against Israel. Right. And and that would and I guess there's also a fear that that they could expand to other countries as well. I mean, we know the influence they have in Lebanon, etc. I know the geography makes it a little more difficult, but there's no reason to think that they wouldn't, you know, continue their build up in countries like that as well. Yeah, to the degree they control Iraq and the, and the Iraqis have spoken against it and um don't want to live under the Shiite militias, but they're there and they are um they are strong. The, um, uh, but also you have to think of another party that could be potentially in danger, and that's uh, Jordan. And there's nothing that Iran wants more than to get uh, to see it toppled and to get Jordanian troops through on another front against Israel, um, because right now Jordan is still a buffer between Iraq and, and Israel. Is Jordan throwing out its Israeli ambassador? This is a move by some people. I don't think the king is going to do that. Um, you know, they, they let off, quote, let off steam by letting people make these really hostile comments. And as you know, that the, the peace that Israel has with Jordan, with Egypt, are not peace with the people. They're peace with the uh, governments, between the governments. And then no matter what Israel does, trying to provide, providing water and providing more water, wanting to build it, and they're saying, well, we won't take the water, people should boycott it. It's because the, these guys don't have any interest. Uh, you know, the, the radicals in, in the stability and the develop, economic development of, of Jordan or the benefit of the people, they have their only their extreme ideological goals, which includes the destruction of Israel. And the uh, the king has come under increasing pressure and, and uh, hostility. So sometimes, you know, they excuse what he says, which they might not normally, because, you know, they got to let off steam. They got to find a way to give um, give voice to to uh, to, to uh, give some red meat to the people. I I actually believe that that's not a good right. idea, <laughs> but the. Um, um, but just think that Israel couldn't have carried off these attacks if they, in fact, did it without the U.S. and Russia at least giving a nod of approval. Um, do they need uh, Do they need Jordanian approval for it? Or that doesn't factor in. Um, well, it depends on how they flew there, but right. I, I do not think that they flew over or would acknowledge that they flew over. Uh, over uh, Jordan, but and and we know that the pro-Iranian militias are are uh, feel targeted and and were really shook up by this because they were all given the impression that you know you'd be in Iraq, you could act with impunity, and now they were given a very different message about the and and the weapons which are trying to protect in Iraq but are destined for Syria. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web and com on the NachumSegal Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We call this the weekly update. Uh, in the context of, uh, you know, what the things we always bring up when it comes to, you know, modern Jewish history... The the president of the Ukraine is Jewish. Yes, and th- I mean <laughs> this may be overstating. So is the prime minister of Israel. So two so, Jews met. Right, got it. <laughs> but but I know this may be overstating the obvious, but there's something very significant to that historically, correct? And, 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 yeah, I'm yeah, saying he was a comedian, a television entertainer, and you know the frustration of the people in Ukraine is very popular. 
and he won the election. And the BB was there this week, and they appeared together, and... Uh... I don't know if that was part of his election campaign strategy or not. I don't know how the Russian population in Israel views the visit to the Ukraine. Am I being a little too cynical, or is that part of it? No, well, cynicism is certainly the order of the day, it seems, <laughs> <laughs> here and there. But they, he, he went there. He had been invited, and um, there's a last chance before the election, which is coming September 17th, and whether this was to counter Lieberman's appeal and to win those of Ukrainian origin in Israel, uh, I think I'd leave to the speculators. Uh, the visit is important, and... Um, you know, sensitive in the sense that his relationship with Putin, which is so important, uh, and obviously there are great tensions between the Ukraine and Russia. The, um, uh, but he made it, it was a, a quick two-day or so visit, and the president did not announce that they would move the embassy, but did talk about setting up, as some other countries are, uh, an office in Jerusalem, I think, for high tech and for business and other purposes. But a commercial uh, office is a first step towards perhaps a more permanent uh, uh, diplomatic mission there. Very nice. All right, you mentioned earlier the, uh, you know, if only there was the reaction of the world to the terror attack like there was with the potential visit of the congresswoman last week. Um, a week later, and again, you know, often I have. I have mentioned this theory or this idea uh, that uh, that whatever the Prime Minister of Israel does is going to be criticized anyway, and the world's going to not like this. You know, if he decides one way, they're not going to like it. If he, does, if he decides the other way, they're not going to like it. A week later, has this thing blown over, and has Bibi's position on this matter gotten a little bit more solid ground out there or not? Well, the only solid ground is, for Bibi right now is what, is what goes on in Israel because the margins are so thin for the parties. It's, it's still unclear who can form a, a, a government. What is, what is clear is that, first of all, a country has a right to limit who comes in and who, who doesn't. The United States has barred Israelis in the United States. It's barred people from other country. Every country does it. France just barred for 40 years this Holocaust denier. The... Um, uh, so that's number one. A country has a right to set uh, the rules. How how it was done, all that, that will be debated for a long time. You know, that was for and against, and then finally giving her the opportunity to visit her grandmother. And by the way, I suggest people read the account of uh, that uh, an Israeli reporter from, I think, Israel Hayom went to visit the um, uh, village or, or, and, and on Facebook uh, checked out members of the Tlaib family, her cousins, uh, yeah. I guess in quotes, and uh, but also real cousins. And discovered. And, and just read the account about uh, what what life is it's like for them. First of all, this is one of the wealthiest, according to the World Bank, uh, places in the West Bank. It's, it's unemployment is a third of of the general unemployment in um, in in uh, the in the, in the area, it, it's Beit Ur of Aqua is the name of the of the village, and they have pictures which shows that Achiam uh, Tilam is uh, with a brand new BMW, and there's a Raja Tilam that shared pictures posing next to his new Mercedes, wearing a very fancy suit, and pictures of him working out in the gym in, in the latest with the latest equipment. And then you have Mawai Talab uploaded pictures of vacation in Italy, and Anas Taleb drives a Mercedes, Samach Taleb a BMW, Niab Talab a Corvette, 
and you know the portrayal of uh, um, is certainly belied by this because and, and according to a PA report from a year ago or two years ago, every home has a satellite TV and most have LCD screens in their living room, and almost everyone in the village had internet access and a mobile phone. So it's a different image than the one that she tried to paint. I thought occupation causes uh, depression and, uh, and and economic depression. It, certainly, it, 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 uh, this is the account in the way that the uh, you know the story and 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 it shows you why the, the decision. One factor is that there was never going to be any truth coming out of this. It wasn't because they were really going there to, with open uh, agendas that the uh, she claims now that they were going to meet with Israelis and security forces there. They were going to meet with uh, perhaps with representatives of some of the protesting forces uh, or elements, but nothing in the agenda, which was uh, titled A Visit to, to Palestine. Uh, and, of course, a visit to the, the Temple Mount, where, again, we've seen the escalations, and I'm sure this would be the occasion for, for even more. Right. So the debate and discussion can go on about you know how it was handled tactically, but I think that the legitimacy of the argument and I think the um, um, concern about what, what these people stand for, and, and I'm going to be looking today to see whether that condemnations will roll off the tongues of those, including some who condemned Israel over this. You can disagree, but to condemn and a New York congressman condemning Israel over this, this is really it, it, it is uh, it is outrageous. And the um, I I know for most people that I spoke to that they that they were very concerned about the. Um, um, implications and the, and what this will mean, you know, in terms of Congress and for Democrats, et cetera. Over but the Democrats have to also evaluate what this means for them and their relationship to the community. Overblown or not in terms of what this could mean in Congress? Because, again, remember, I started this question by asking, has this basically blown over after seven days? I'm getting that impression. Am I wrong? That this no, it obviously doesn't sustain over time in the same intensity, but you will see when everybody comes back, uh, um, and we may see it you know, in some future votes, uh, concerns about the Black Caucus and others uh, uh, where there were sensitivities even before and, and some shifts. But uh, uh, obviously this doesn't rise to the, to the cause celebrity that it, is, that it is being made, but the media... Uh, plays an important role in this, and the uh, and the leadership, um, the the uh, president's uh, uh, tweeting one also, you know, called caused more called more attention uh, to it. It did not cause the controversy, and it didn't start the controversy, as some uh, said. The um, uh, and the fact is that that these people, the 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 members of the so-called squad and stuff, I try not to talk about them because I really believe we just give them more and more attention. I believe that there will be a backlash ultimately against them and against these excesses, uh, but we can't take it for granted. It means we have to work a lot harder to make the case to get the balance back, and we we don't run right off the Democratic Party. We appreciate what the president does. We appreciate what the Republicans do. We appreciate what Democrats do, and Keeping the uh, the channels open is very important. Uh, we need their votes. We want them to. We want Israel to be bipartisan issue. We we don't want to see a replication of what is happening in England and 
for that, we have to work uh, extra hard, and we are trying to do it in, Pre- in every venue and every vehicle possible. President Rivlin actually spoke to Nancy Pelosi about that very issue, about uh, Israel not becoming a partisan issue. Do you have any idea how that conversation went, or have you been told anything about that exchange? I, uh, yes, I was told it was. It, that's exactly what the exchange was, and that he said that Israel that they appreciate what Democrats do, and they appreciate what Republicans do, and it should be part bipartisan. Uh, and the um, the message I think is right, but it's not at any price. And that, and you know, there are people who have said things during the course of of these weeks that we should revisit in the future as well about right. the, you know the stance that they took. Um, and how this whole issue, you know, it, it was a manipulation from the, from the start. And if you look at the group that's sponsoring their trip, there had been another group earlier which seemed to pull out the Humpty Dumpty Foundation. That the, this group it has been known to be tied to terrorist entities, uh, alleged terrorist, terrorist entities, and to uh, very negative uh, sources. So, you know, that all of this colors uh, paints a, a, a picture for us of what their true intent was, what the, the, this is um, uh, grandstanding. Uh, we'll see if any future trips are affected, but the the fact is that they were given the chance to go. Uh, can, she signed a letter indicating it. She probably came under a lot of pressure because she signed it and said she wanted to see her grandmother and was willing to renounce engaging in pro-BDS activity and then withdrew it. So uh, Terry's comment that her hate for Israel is greater than her love for her grandmother, I thought was, it was pretty telling. <laughs> that was unbelievable. Um, the president's comments about disloyalty, right? I mean, most people, I think, in this audience know what I'm referring to in terms of uh, how, how strongly he, uh, he, he worded his um, analysis that uh, essentially you have to be crazy if you're somebody who cares about Israel and votes Democratic. Those comments about this loyalty have been called by certain members of Congress a vicious and dangerous anti-Semitic trope. Now, I, I, I get the sensitivity, and I'm not suggesting that it was a great idea that the president say what he said, but anti-Semitic trope, do you think that's going a little too far in the analysis of that? Well, I think that's in the part of those who are really of goodwill, the, the, the message, you know, the word, uh, because of the charge of dual loyalty, which has been leveled against Jews, that every time if you raise it, and as he did initially, you know, did say he didn't designate what he meant. The loyalty right. later said right. loyalty to Israel, right. and, uh, and said that anybody that Jews have to be crazy about democratic. If uh, and then you see the full context of what he was saying, he was not challenging their loyalty to to America. The problem is that it gets exploited. If you look online, you see how that was picked up and and uh, used by the, the many, many anti-Semitic sites uh, that are, are just trolling around looking for any kind of excuse, and, and they make it up. I mean, they have the stories that are, are just without any foundation. And given the, the uh, climate in the country today, the escalating uh, anti-Semitic uh, incidents, which continue uh, unabated to, to grow, and now we have the people returning to campus, so we are uh, very concerned, and, and for everybody who has a student going to a campus, whether dorm or, or um, uh, local, um, we have a hotline that's being established by SCAN, and we'll provide the number, I'll get it to you, and that you should please share it with them, that any time there's an incident, they can call this 24-7, if something happens, that they can report this. They can be anonymous. They can um, 
give their name, but uh, SCAN is our security operation, and they will follow it. They're in touch with the local communities and local police. Uh, it's, it's really critical that it, incidents get reported, and if we're to be able to help um, where there may be a dangerous situation and to call attention to it and get universities to do what they should do, which they in many cases don't, um, then uh, this is, it's very important and that students should feel that they're not alone and they shouldn't be intimidated. And if uh, something uh, negative is said or heard, they should respond to it. And the, some of the media coverage also should be held to account about the, the comments that we heard, the, the kind of uh, remarks. And um, then when somebody does stand up for Israel, like Bill Maher did, he comes on, they, they threaten to get him off the show and threatens him in, in so many ways. Uh, and, and he's not a, a pro-Trump uh, person. I, I saw the Mar piece, but I didn't realize people are trying to throw him off. Well, the congresswomen said they want to they want to campaign to boycott him and wow. to, to to threaten him as well. So, you know, we we have um, uh, and and you know that there is these two stories that broke one one about the the fact that on pay to slay that the government of the United Kingdom their in, their agency for economic or foreign uh, foreign aid establishment knew since 2007 about the World Bank report, which made it very clear about the corruption and the um, uh, money that UNRWA was was uh, wasting and the money that the PA was spending on uh, pay to slay. And that the uh, at the time, they said that there was like a little over 1% going from the budget for to pay these terrorists. Now it's 7%. And that the... Um, uh, so these these um, attempts to cover up that they're only discovering now all the information about about these activities, and also you, you saw the reports from France that the government, um, made, the security agency, they made a deal with the terrorists uh, that they could operate uh, freely; they wouldn't be arrested as long as they didn't carry out attacks in France, but they could plan and carry out attacks outside of France. This is an outrage. Uh, and people heads have to roll over a thing like that. By the way, on the uh, I'm going back for a second. Uh, the, the same people that have been tweeting about the President Trump's comments, they are pointing out, in all fairness, and I don't even know if I'm using that expression the right way in this case, uh, that the Carlos Latouf cartoon that both uh, Tlaib and Omar had forwarded, um, uh, they sh- it says here can surely be read for its vile underlying message, and I'm sure you agree with that. Uh, yes, I think that they, they are, it's not an underlying message from them. Uh, I mean, they have been pretty blatant. If you listen to the press conference that they held on Monday, and I'm not saying what it should have, um, the, the lies, the distortions, the accusations against Israel, and they engage in, in that, quote, anti-Semitic tropes all the time. Look, I think that everybody has to be careful, and, and that means the president, Congress, Republicans, Democrats, everybody, because of the charged atmosphere, because of the the way that that uh, themes are picked up, uh, whether it's the white nationalists or whether it's on the left, whether it's coming from Muslim sources or minority sources, wherever it is, the the bottom line is that we see a continuing escalation in the number of anti-Semitic attacks. It continues to rise, and um, uh, and anything that feeds it, and why why we look for legislation, we look for other remedies to fight whether it's BDS, which is an expression of anti-Semitism, clearly, and these are 
you know, the congresswomen are clear supporters, public supporters of, uh, of BDS. And Israel has a law about it. By the way, I just want to tell people when they said that, you know, this was a haphazard decision on Israel's part, there's a 10-page ruling in order to, about this, this decision. It was thought out. Their legal people were consulted. You have a, a law that bars people who support BDS from coming into Israel. Uh, and it predated, it preceded the president's uh, uh, comments. It wasn't the president pressuring Netanyahu. He says that he that decision was reached before the president, uh, uh, I think, tweeted his comments um, about, the, uh, about the visit. Agree or disagree, BB has to do much better in this election. If he equals what he did last time, it's going to be bad for him. Right now, I think he would he would be happy to do as well as he did last time. It's, wow. And the numbers are shifting all the time. And you see the the, sh- sh- the vote sharing agreements that were signed, and the uh, you know the Arabs saying that they would hook up with this party or that party and stuff. I mean, it's just very fluid. Um, we don't know what how, what what is true because most of this deals with behind the scenes uh, arrangements and discussions that are taking place. Clearly, Netanyahu appears to be running very seriously, and I can't say he's running scared, but certainly running serious or running scared because every politician should. Um, the numbers, you know, keep varying, and it depends upon the source uh, in terms of polling uh, numbers vary. And here, a variance of, let's say, two or three seats, which would not necessarily be such a, uh, a, a, a um, such a significant um, difference, matters because they're trying to get to 61, and if you're 59, two seats makes all the difference in the world. Right. And then they're trying to do it without Lieberman and trying to do it in, in some combination without other parties. So it's uh, everything right now is is very fluid. And, you know, it doesn't seem like Blue and White has caught fire and it's, it doesn't seem anybody else has, um, that this is really an election about Netanyahu. Malcolm, enjoy your family celebration. And we should all have many symbols. Everybody Amazing. should have some hope to... Only some hope that we shouldn't have news like we had this morning. That family, which will go into the Shabbos in Avelut and and feel um, for the for the father and the son. People should remember them, and that uh, we should only have some hope and uh, continue. Amen. Uh, next week we are off. Correct. Yes, sir. Okay, Malcolm's away next week. We will reconvene the Friday after Labor Day. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Have a good Shabbos. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JMNAM. Again, next week, there'll be no weekly update because uh, Malcolm will be away. Big family simple, as you heard. A Friday after Labor Day will be our next weekly update, which is two weeks from today.